Hello, everyone. This is Richard Beatty. Can AI be useful to God? Well, today on Useful to God, we will continue talking with Dr. James Spencer, who has written a guide with 20 questions on artificial intelligence. James is at National Religious Broadcasters in Orlando this year. A great place to be on this topic. James, how's it going over there? It's going really well. Had some great conversations with folks about Christians and AI and uh, gotten interviewed on several different stations. Uh, Looks like I'm even going to be featured on a uh, a television program about Christians and AI. So it's been an exciting couple days. Uh, I'm a little tired, but I'm, uh, I'm ready to go for the show today. It sounds like a like an FBI episode, Christians in AI. <laughs> That's right. It really does. And uh, I don't want I don't think we should make it sound ominous. I think it's uh, not quite as ominous as some people have made it, but it definitely does sound that way. Kind of Twilight Zone action. Yeah, no, it, it does. Uh, I'm uh, I'm glad to be in the studio. I've been at uh, many, many, many NRBs, and uh, it's 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 crazy at these things. But you do make some wonderful contacts, uh, and so uh, I don't want to knock it. No, it's been great. I I enjoy being here for the few days that I'm here, and uh, I always enjoy catching up with folks that uh, I've interviewed with in the past, and even met some of them in person. You know, it's uh, it's almost always Zoom, and so you know when when you and I got to meet in person, that was great. And so it's very similar feel here. I get to meet a lot of folks that I've only talked to on the phone. Yeah, that's great, uh, James. I've been uh, tracking our shows, and one thing about your twenty questions on AI, it has uh, breeded new questions like. <laughs> like the yeast in the dough. Uh, one very interesting study I, I read was uh, from a research group on AI and sermon preparation. In fact, uh, the writer had ChatGPT uh, write on his opening—it uh, actually wrote his op- opening paragraph. So I ask you, how could AI be used in sermon preparation or, as I do each week, uh, show prep? Well, you know, obviously AI has the capacity to do some of these things at this point. It can write fairly well. Um, I'd still recommend editing. Um, And so it has the capability to do it. I think that um, as I've been here in NRB, one of the things I've been reminded of is that not everybody has the kind of time that is often required to put sermons together. And so I think that for certain audiences that really need some help in preaching God's word, that AI could be that help. Um, You know, many, many people around the world, uh, many pastors around the world, pull their sermons off the radio and they re-preach sermons that they've heard on the radio because they just don't have time to do sermon prep, or they just don't have time to really, they don't have the skills to study God's word maybe. And so they're they're doing what they can to proclaim God's word uh, to their congregations. And so I think we, we want to approach this um, from a couple of different angles. You know, number one, I don't think we should get lazy. If we have the capacity to write our own sermons, if we have the capacity to research our own sermons, um, I think we should make the time to do that. There is something in the effort that I think matters. And uh, I think that if we continue to sort of move toward convenience and just allow AI to communicate to us, as opposed to us using AI to help us with our communications to others, I think that will be a, a loss for most of us. On the other hand, I think that AI is a tool 
that can provide some real help to pastors who just don't have very many other options. And so we should recognize that as a benefit and try as best as we can as Christians to influence the artificial intelligence development to make sure that when a pastor pulls a sermon off of an AI, that they understand that they're pulling off something that really is preaching the gospel, that is really being faithful to God's word, and that isn't some sort of um, heretical message that they're going to propagate to their congregation. Well, one thing I have always said, uh, or at least in the last 20 years, is that we all need a Savior, and we all need an editor. And so I I appreciate you saying that. (laughs) That's right. We all need an editor, and I believe AI will need an editor. Yes, uh, I have no no doubt. Uh, What would be missing, and what details would AI give, uh, is— uh, as far as a uh, Bible study and research, because that's the other uh, area that uh, AI is being touted as. Yeah, I think, you know, my concern here has to do with perspective. So uh, some would call me an expert in the Bible. I have my Ph.D. in Old Testament studies. And uh, but but really, when you say you have a Ph.D. in Old Testament studies, usually what you leave out is that I did my dissertation on the Sabbath commands. And so my my true deepest specialty is really on the Sabbath commands in the Old Testament and how they you know relate to the church today. That's my deep expertise. And even within that deep expertise, there are people who disagree with me. So as much studies I've done on that issue, there are other people who have different perspectives on that, who look at the data in a different way and interpret the data in a different way. There's also a whole Old Testament that other people have specialized in. And so I think as we as we interact with AI and we think about it from a biblical research and, um, you know, sort of an interpretation perspective, what we always have to recognize is that AI is always going to have its own perspective. And it may be able to look at angles that we can't see. It may be able to ferret out information and connect different data that we're not able to connect immediately. But it's still going to have a perspective. And so you can think about it in terms of maybe, you know, a bit of a thorny uh, theological issue. What if we asked AI about a theology of baptism? It would almost have to pick one tradition uh, to describe what that theology of baptism is, or it's going to have to give you all the options of all the traditions of the various baptismal theologies. It's going to have to present the Lutheran view. It's going to have to present the Presbyterian view. It's going to have to present the non-denominational view, and so on and so on. And so, so much of what we're looking at, we're looking at a biblical research and an interpretation is the art of interpretation, the art of looking at data and understanding it from a creative perspective, putting different pieces together and really coming up with something that is faithful to God's word and faithful theologically. When we do that, we introduce some sort of bias, some sort of choice, some sort of selection. And AI is doing that exact same thing. So when I think about AI and interacting with this machine as I do my own research, I absolutely see upsides for creativity. I see it as sort of a uh, an interesting conversation partner that has information that otherwise I might not have. But I'm also recognizing that if I just ask it a question and expect it to give me an accurate answer, that that's like asking the smartest guy in the room to give you an answer to a question. He may not be right. And at the very least, he isn't going to give you the whole truth about that subject. It's always going to be some abbreviated or selected aspect of that subject that may be true, but doesn't provide you with a full understanding of that topic. 
And so I think we just need to approach AI with a good uh, understanding of how learning and knowledge actually works, how communication actually works, and recognize that this thing is not the omniscient being we've always been searching for. We know who the omniscient being we've always been searching for is. It's God. AI is not God. AI is just happens to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah, but he's he's first in the phone book because his his initials begin with A. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, and but who easy. uses a phone I book think anymore? That's the other right? part. It's just very easy to research through AI, and so as we opt in for that convenience, you know, we we need to make sure that when we're opting in for that convenience, we're not missing other things that might just be harder to find. Right. Um, this is a uh, this is an area that I thought was most interesting uh, and a little scary to me. Some AI programs say that they can be a tool in pastoral counseling and support. What are some of the dangers in this area and what are some of the benefits? So uh, it's very difficult for me to be positive about uh, thinking about AI doing pastoral support and counseling. Uh, I myself have been in counseling um, and gone through with, you know, an actual counselor. I've had executive coaches and they do more than just give you advice. They do more than help you reframe your thinking. They actually, you know, dive deep with you and go through situations with you. And so I have difficulty believing that AI can replicate what an actual physical person who is coaching you, who is counseling you, who is walking through life with you in a more intimate manner can really do. Do I think that AI could give you some really great tips on how to change your life and take steps to, you know, lose weight or have less anxiety or, you know, deal with stress or whatever it is? Sure. I think it could generate those responses and I think it can generate those in a very tailored way. But there is a vast difference between a disembodied voice giving you advice and someone who's there with you, flesh on flesh, actually working with you to go through life together. And I would say the same thing, just you were on the radio here and hopefully I'm giving people some good information, but the accessibility of my voice does not equal intimacy. You know, we don't know our audience in the same way, let's say, a local pastor might know their audience. And so people shouldn't be thinking like, hey, I listen to Useful to God, and so I don't need to go to the local church anymore. No, it's not true. We want you to push into the local church because those are the people who are in the, the, the you know, the pit with you. They're, they're in it the day in and day out. They're working with you. There's really no substitute for that. I don't care how smart anyone is, how good an advice they do give. It's almost always the people who are going through life with you that you need the most. And so that's my answer on that one. I think it can probably give some really great responses. I think it could for, you know, self-starters and maybe just sort of an initial primer on how to change your life in, in ways that would be better to give you some helpful advice. Sure. But I don't think we should be discounting and talking about replacing human interactions that are so crucial and give us the intangibles that we actually need to be transformed more closely into the image of Christ. What about discipleship? Uh, could AI provide a wider net in, in evangelism and, and outreach I mean, for people who are really searching? You know, I think it, there are certain applications, you know, when I've when I've been asked this before, you know, can the can AI share the gospel? What I've said is absolutely. Yes, it could proclaim the words of the gospel. Right. But again, if you look at Ephesians, 
the church is to be a manifold witness or a witness to God's manifold wisdom. That's what we're to demonstrate to a watching world. We are to be God's manifold wisdom embodied and personified. And so while the AI may be able to say the words, it may be able to convey the words in speech, in video, in text, however that would work, um, it can't demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God. That is something that is unique to the church. It's unique to an embodied group of people who are called in to service to the Lord. And so we need to be careful not to think of AI's capacities as matching our capacities and thus making us irrelevant. We're not human because we can speak or listen or talk or whatever. Like we have that capacity as humans, sure. But the defining portion of being human really is being made in God's image. And AI is not made in God's image. We are. We are still the ones who are reflecting God's glory to the world. And so while these AI things may be able to help us do certain aspects of that, we have to realize that we're still the ones who are made in God's image, and we will not be supplanted by AI. You know, years ago, I remember the use of even radio and televangelism being used in ministry with a lot of the same benefits and also uh, some of the same warnings. Uh, preachers didn't have to travel. They could tape early and reach more people and didn't necessarily need to do multiple services. The truth was still dispensed, and some good teaching came out of it. Uh, but what televangelism uh, turned out to be, unfortunately— was very slick and impersonal, and uh, and and it still is sometimes. Uh, that was generic, and I hate to say that you're at, at NRB, and there's a lot of a, a lot of our brethren there. Uh, radio still is useful. Uh, you, they have a the, the Catholic Church has the mass for shut-ins. Uh, that has an authentic city type of genuineness on radio and television, and. And yet, community uh, and the and the common union is missing. I mean, communion is missing. Uh, does AI and media ministry have the same benefits and the same weaknesses uh, as 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 other media does? And can anything replace the face to face fellowship that church and small groups have? You know, I I think that here's sort of where I fall on this. There are going to be benefits that are good from an AI perspective. Um, it's going to be able to spread the gospel. You're going to be able to do some dialogical things with AI, I believe, that are going to be really positive. I think it can help us with biblical literacy. I've talked a little bit about, um, for instance, Conmigo, that Khan Academy has developed as a one-on-one -on -one tutor. And, you know, we've known since the 1980s that if we could give every person who's trying to learn something a one-on-one -on -one tutor, that their ability to learn would go up to standard deviations. And so as we think about that from a you know biblical literacy perspective, a theological liter literacy perspective, you know, there's obvious benefits to that. Uh, but, you know, I am of the mind that all of mass media needs to be supplemental. It can't replace the church in any way, shape or form. And I would even argue that it shouldn't diminish those who are working in the trenches with people in the local church. And I've seen that. I've seen radio per the teachings of radio personalities be sort of weaponized against a local church pastor. 
And I don't think that that's what the you know radio broadcasts. I don't think that's what television broadcasts. I don't think that's what AI should be doing. If anything, these things have to drive us back toward the local church because that's the body that really embodies itself within a local community. And so I don't think there's a replacement for the personal interactions that we're seeing in the local church. I think Christians are always going to have to coordinate together in bodily fashion. Now, we can also coordinate together through electronic fashion, but I still don't see that as a replacement, not a full replacement of what goes on when we meet together as believers. And so these things really do need to be supplemental. And I would say that that goes to a broader principle that I think that I've been increasingly thinking about with AI is that technology should be enhancing our humanness, not diminishing it. And so it should be helping us to be more human as opposed to hindering us from being more human. And I think part of what it means to be human is to be in dialogue with one another, to be in conversation with one another, and to be in relationship with one another. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's well said. Thank you for, for that. Um, I was going to end uh, this program with uh, with the full verses of of. Uh, of Matthew 16, um, but I'm, I I do want to just touch on it uh, a little bit, and I think for the next uh, show we'll have time to to really unpack this uh, if if you don't mind. I just uh, I'm just going to read uh, verse 17, and then uh, then we can talk about it. Uh, Jesus replied, "Blessed are you." Simon, son of uh, Jonah, because Simon Peter answered uh, when Jesus asked who he, who he was, you were the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then uh, Jesus uh, <laughs> Jesus promotes, uh, 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 promotes Peter here. Um, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the, that, that he was the Messiah. James, this is the first time that the church is introduced to anyone. This is Jesus introducing a usefulness for a community that Jesus initiates, and he's handing the keys to a guy who is all over the map. Uh, Jesus knows that Simon Peter, in all his humanness, will be useful. Will be the useful rock, solid leader of not just Christians or Christianity, but the church. You can ask twenty people what the church is, and you get twenty different answers. So explain the word that the church. Explain the word church, ecclesia, that Jesus introduces to the reader and the hearer of the word. Is ecclesia a noun or a verb? Yeah, so ecclesia is a noun, um, and it was used actually in the ancient world as uh, an assembly of those summoned together. And uh, I think that's probably what makes the most sense of it. You, you often hear it as the called out ones. Um, but it, it's it's not quite that. It's it's Jesus is going to summon all those who believe in him together to do a common mission, to uh, complete a common purpose, and just to be, again, 
I really do go to Ephesians 3, and the church in the Jews and the Gentiles coming together, as God brings this sort of multifaceted, diverse group of people together who have no other reason to come together other than their unity in Christ, what we end up doing is demonstrating God's manifold wisdom to the powers and principalities of the world. We are an anomaly that cannot be explained by some sort of strategic process or human innovation. We are together because God has put us together. And the church is that group of people who have been summoned by God to come together. That's how I think of the church. That's great. Um, Final words from NRB, um, and um, it sounds like there's there's buzz over the whole AI thing uh, in in both positive and negative ways. I imagine. Yeah, I think the one thing I I, I think I've learned and reflected on as I'm here is what I would encourage people um, to remember is that um, there are some people who are going to be very negative toward AI, and they they've called it the Antichrist. They they identify it with the beast and. Um, my just my encouragement on this is that there isn't any sort of panic button that Christians need to be pushing on AI. We need to be careful and we need to be smart and we need to recognize the dangers. But at the end of the day, as Hebrews twelve twenty eight tells us, we are grateful to have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Our place is sure. And what we need to do is prepare to follow Christ, even if it gets uncomfortable to do so, even if suffering comes. And so no matter what AI is or it isn't, whatever speculation we may have about it or not, what we need to be doing is to be approaching this in a calm, thoughtful, rational manner so that we can represent Christ well in a broken world. Thank you so much for being available, James, uh, from Orlando and the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, or whatever they call a conference. Uh, if you would like a digital copy of Useful to God, send an email to usefultogodradio at gmail.com. And for other resources and to get on the mailing list, please stop by usefultogod.org. I'm Richard Beatty, and for Dr. James Spencer, we close with the feature Becoming Useful to God. Dwight Moody once said, it's not a long life of usefulness that makes men and women acceptable to God. We must work for Christ and we get salvation as a gift and then begin to work because we cannot help it. James, how do we begin to work because we cannot help it? First, we need to identify activities that hinder us from following Christ. Many activities encourage us to live according to stories that distort or deny God. Setting those activities aside provides us with a space for practices that reflect our conviction that God can do abundantly more than we can ask or think. We need to replace hindrances with helps. We cultivate an awareness of God's active presence by consistently engaging in small, everyday acts of obedience. And as we obey, we will find it more and more natural to do the work of God and so become more useful to Him. For more, go to usefultogod.org.